Hello, and welcome to Bostonian Rap. My name is Rachel Meiselman, and as always, we have so much to unpack. But before we do, uh, there's going to be just a bit of a quick word, and then we'll be right back. Necessarily reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or Boston Neighborhood Network. If you would like to express another opinion, you can address your comments to Boston Neighborhood Network, 3025 Washington Street, Boston, Massachusetts, 02119. To arrange a time for your own commentary, you can call WBCA at 617-708-3241, or you can email radio at bnntv.org. Okay, so welcome back. Uh, to Bostonian rap, there is another week of commentary on I don't know how many issues, uh, <laughs> but we'll try to pick some. In fact, I have uh, chosen a few, and we'll try to unpack those as best as we can uh, in a little under an hour. Um, but really, there is so much to talk about, and unfortunately, <laughs> not a lot of it is positive. Uh, so first of all, I want to talk about the political right. So um, as longtime listeners and even more recent listeners know, uh, I'm very much on the political right. Um, I always have been. And it's, you know, me, my adherence to the right, it's, it's actually, it goes beyond being a member of this party or that party. Although I am a Republican, um, I think of myself as a conservative first. Um, I'm a Republican because the idea of freedom, uh, personal responsibility, accountability, and limited government, and of course, if you have limited government, government, uh, the individual does have to have, uh, has to assume a greater responsibility and what his or her life looks like. Um, but I, I understand that with that, with the limited government, that is, uh, that you do have uh, a greater obligation to step up and decide just what you want your life to look like. You have to very much be an architect of your own destiny, so to speak. And I know it's not as easy as just saying, okay, I want this. I'm going to work toward my goal, and then I'm going to have it. You know, life, of course, uh, throws one a lot of um, left hooks <laughs> and right hooks <laughs> and uh, kicks below the, the gut, below the belt. So I, I get all that. I understand all that. And I, I have to recognize that not everyone starts off in the same place. So I understand that there are some inherent inequalities and that, for me, doesn't revolve solely around race or ethnicity. Uh, it could be also economics, it could also be the particular dynamics or issues that take place in a certain household. There are a whole host of issues that are non-race related um, that can make it more difficult for someone to achieve his or her goals. So I, I understand all that. Um, nevertheless, broadly speaking, the idea of government only intervening when it has to, and then in its stead, I, you know, assuming responsibility for how my life is supposed to look, um, that, that is the value system that best suits me. Now, I'm not going to speak for somebody else. I would never dare to do that. What I would just simply say is that I think that there are aspects of the core values of the Republican Party, and I'm not talking about figures. Uh, I'm talking about 
the core values of freedom and liberty and personal responsibility. I think that there's an appeal for everybody, regardless of where one may fall in the political spectrum. Having said all that, I find that today's adherence to the right, a lot of them, I find them very unimpressive. I, you know, I I see all the different protests that are taking place in reaction to the different policies that are coming out of the Wu administration. Now, it's not that I necessarily disagree um, in principle with what is coming. Um, I'm sorry, the, the reaction, I should say the reaction uh, uh, to the policies that are coming out of the Wu administration. I do agree in principle with what a lot of the protesters are saying um, insofar as uh, you know, Wu is not, in my opinion, listening to the people. She, I think, has been, I think, abusive of her power. And I think that her actions are not taken with regard to what the people actually need. Her actions are not taken um, in regard to or with regard to people's concerns, I think that she has an agenda and she has an, a vision, which is not her own. And that is what is driving. That is what is driving the Wu administration. So I, I understand, I sympathize, I share the anger, the frustration with many around Boston. But my problem is with some of the actors, some of the actors. I <laughs> I remember when I was running for Congress in 2020, and I actually went to Charlie Baker's house, as I've shared, uh, a couple of times, and then a third time I went up to Swampscott, uh, the municipality in which he lives, in which he resides. Um, I was in the vicinity of his home, but not in front of his home. Um, and, and those three times, it was all uh, to really kind of raise awareness and, and really more than raise awareness, but inform people of just how bad methadone mile had become. And I did it because it's, it's an issue, and, and it's about to explode again, by the way. The, the, the conditions there are, are, you know, what we saw before Michelle Wu uh, moved people off the streets. Uh, we're quickly reverting to what we had before uh, in terms of... Uh, the lack of security, the lawlessness, and the presence of what essentially is an open-air drug market. Um, it's, it's, she, again, it's, it's this lack of awareness, and, and I'll get to that in a bit, but I, but I do, again, I want to speak to the actors on the right um, that, quite frankly, make the situation worse. So I started talking about how I went up to um, Charlie Baker's um, uh, place of uh, residence twice and then in the vicinity a third time. Now, when I was in front of his home, I didn't have a cowbell. I didn't have a whistle. I wasn't screaming at the top of my lungs. I was actually engaging passersby. I actually even engaged some of Charlie's security. And I said, look, we're not here to anger the governor. We are not here to insult the governor. But 
the situation on methadone mile has become it's it's no longer a tolerable situation. I mean, it, it had long since become intolerable, but it had reached such a point that the conditions there resembled a third world country. And the lawlessness that had become a hallmark of that area, it just, it, it, it demanded, it begged for the governor's intervention. And so I was the first person to call upon Charlie Baker to get involved. And I will explain why. If you have ever gone down a methadone mile, you quickly realize that many of the people who are there are not from Boston. If you spend, you know, besides just going down there like once or twice, if you spend any kind of, not that you would want to, it's, it's just so bad there, um, but any kind of regular time down there, you know, you just talk to different individuals, you'll realize that there are actually a lot of people who are from out of state. And some of them even come from as far away as California. And that aspect of this particularly wrangles me, particularly angers me, because we don't have enough resources here for the people of Massachusetts. I mean, right here in Boston... I mean, we have seniors that don't have enough to eat. Our children in a city that runs on an economy that's education-based, that is known as the Athens of the New World, our children in our public schools are using books from decades past. Most of the schools are family. In fact, there once again talks about receivership. Yet we have resources, uh, whether it's money, uh, housing, attention, energy, for people who are from out of state, who are coming here. Why? Oh, because we have resources. And I remember there was a member of Walsh's administration and this individual, I can't believe the name escapes me, but in regard to, uh, you know, addiction, recovery, you know, recovery services, treating those with addiction issues, uh, you know, there was, well, there was actually more than one, though. There was more than one member of the Walsh administration that pushed the message that, oh, well, we have all kinds of resources. We have all kinds of resources. Well, at the time, we really didn't. And now I'm going to say that we really, really don't. And you see that Boston bears the brunt of this. It bears the brunt of, of the, the addiction crisis. So it was incumbent upon Charlie Baker to get involved, not only because it was a statewide issue, but actually... <laughs> It's a multi-state issue, a multi-state issue. So how could he not be involved? So I went up to his home. I tried to engage with people, as I said. I wasn't cursing anybody. And actually, one of Charlie's security uh, details said to me, well, you seem pretty practical, pretty pragmatic. You know, and I thanked him, and, you know, not too long after, I was, you know, on my way. But that's what I did. I also knew that there were really horrible things going on around Methadone Mile, on Methadone Mile, around Methadone Mile. I had lived actually right in the area for about six years, so it wasn't like, it was an issue that I had heard about and then decided to find out more about. I actually lived there, so I saw with my own eyes. At the time, Catherine Vitale, 
who has developed now a reputation for being one of the regular protesters uh, of Michelle Wu, of her administration, she was very harsh. She accused me of begging, trying to beg Charlie Baker for his approval. She had no regard whatsoever for what I was doing. Um, And she even basically accused me of not standing up for what was really important, that I was actually diverting my attention and focus from what was important to focus on trying to curry favor with Charlie Baker. Now, I found that particularly outrageous. There's a backstory, but long story short, Miss Vitali had wanted to piggyback on some of the efforts of Method O'Mile for her own reasons and basically what she was told was that she was more than welcome to contribute to the efforts of what was being done around Method O'Mile, what was being done around Method O'Mile to bring attention to the exact gravity of the situation. But it wasn't going to become an extension of a political campaign. It wasn't going to become a a vanity vehicle for one politician or another. And as I said, shortly thereafter, I was being harshly criticized for going up to Swampscott. And so I just kind of took it in stride, and I actually invited Ms. Vitale down to Method Mile with the group that I was working with, or she was welcome to come down with me. She was invited, she was invited multiple times, many times, uh, and her response was that, well, you know my situation. I didn't know the exact, I didn't know her situation exactly, but it was the idea that she just didn't have the time. Okay. Fast forward to 2022, and I'm very deliberately naming names because when people think of the right now, they're looking at certain individuals and they're saying, what's going on? So fast forward to 2022, whereas Catherine didn't have time in 2020 to protest the conditions on Method Mile and thought I was wasting my time and just trying to get Charlie Baker's attention just because I wanted to curry favor with him, she had become convinced that protesting was the way to go and that it's important that not only that she continues to protest, but that as many people as possible join her. And I watched... A video of hers recently, it was a well, live, I believe, um, of, you know, video live. Um, and she was, you know, essentially calling, you know, for people to step up. And it was just, it, it kind of blew my mind to hear her call for people to step up, use some of the same language that I had used in 2020, Talk about the the value of showing up and speaking up in the form of a protest. Yet I was so um, harshly criticized. I was slammed by her in 2020. So I, I, you know, apart from trying to figure out how somehow how how protest is how somehow good. Now, whereas before it wasn't, apart from that, I'm also trying to figure out what her end game is. Look, I understand it's not that Catherine doesn't have a point. And initially, I was very sympathetic to uh, Shana Catone, and, and I still am, and some of the others. Uh, you know, I... I 
I agree with the spirit of the protest. I agree with them faulting Wu for acting. You know, it's it's for people who've come from certain countries to hear us talking about dictators. They scoff at us. But I think that we can use a word like dictator, <laughs> um, but, but, but we must understand that the term is relative. That, you know, when we're talking about a dictator here, it's not the same as talking about, obviously, uh, a Nicolas Maduro. Or, you know, we're not talking about Khamenei and Iran, you know, and although he, of course, is not the president, uh, he exerts a tremendous amount of influence because, of course, Iran is a theocracy, right? You, you have these dictators around the world, right? So what I would say about Michelle Wu is that she acts as a dictator um, with a small D. Um, you know, I'm, I am kind of hesitant to use the word, but I do think she's abusing her power. I do think she's trying to shut down free speech. So, speaking about Catherine Vitale and, you know, others who share her philosophy, we're not on the di different page in that respect. But I want to understand how my language and my activity, overall activity in 2020, was somehow wrong, only to see it adopted by the same people who were slamming it. I, I don't understand how it somehow, how, how what was bad then is somehow good. I, I, that I don't understand. I don't. But also, I find that some members that are protesting, it's become a series of performance pieces, the protests themselves, the behavior of some of the actors while protesting. You know, you have the phones that are ready to film, and I just... I say to myself, well, I mean, are you are you on stage or are you trying to make a point? Are you standing up for our freedoms? Are you just trying to become known? Do you have a plan to restore Boston to at least a semblance of normalcy? Or... Is your interest just to kind of become a star on Twitter? I, I you know, I, again, I, I have to ask what the end game is. Getting arrested, that's not a badge of courage. Yes, I think what's going on in Boston is not good. It's not positive. We're not going in a good direction. But the difference between me and some of these protesters is I actually live in the city. That's another thing. Not all these protesters are even, not only do they not live in the city, they're not from the city. And so you have Michelle Effendi and she'll say, well, you know, my husband has business in the city. Okay, that's fine. That's a fair point, Michelle. But then if your husband has business in the city, then one would think that you should have been paying attention to the politics here all along. <coughs> Why is it only now that you're paying attention? Why is it only now that you're up in arms? So let's get back to that point then about the performance pieces and getting arrested. 
there seems to be this idea that if you are not protesting this particular issue in this particular way, and if you don't wind up in handcuffs, then you're afraid to go there. You don't have the guts. You don't have the brass. You're basically a punk for the liberals. Just one problem with that. Where were all these people while Michelle Wu was the Boston City Councilor at large? See, I was critical of Michelle. In fact, I've been critical of Michelle for the last 10 years. I never crossed any lines. I never made it personal. I focused on her policy, or lack thereof. I focused on her knowledge, or should I say, again, lack thereof. But I've been talking about... (coughs) Forgive me, I guess I'm all fired up today, and it's just like, oof. But, you know, I've been... I've had my eye on her, or I've been following what she's been doing for the last decade. And then you have these people, and I don't even know if you can call them Johnny-come-latelys, and they're trying to dictate how you're supposed to stand up against what I also believe is an abuse of power. So I have to wonder where these people get off. So I kind of threw out a lot there. I want to talk a little bit more, actually a lot more about this. But what I want to do first is we're going to go to the first break of tonight's show. For those of you who are just tuning in, my name is Rachel Meiselman, and this is Bostonian Rap. You're listening to me, as always, on WBCA LP 102.9 FM Boston. This is Boston's community radio station. Learn more at She Can STEM, a message brought to you by the Ad Council. If you are struggling to afford internet service for your household, there is a new government program that may be able to help. It's called the Affordable Connectivity Program, and it provides up to a $30 monthly discount to qualifying households. Find more information about the program, including if you qualify and how to enroll at FCC.gov ACP or call toll-free at 877-384-2575. That's 877-384-2575. And what you doing with your phone? Taking pictures? No, I'm asking questions. Like what? Hey, Bobo, do flowers have best friends? I'm sorry. I'm afraid I don't know that. Hey, follow me. I want to show you something. Look, flowers do have best friends. Whoa. Some answers can only be found in nature. Discover the unsearchable. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a trail near you. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. I was in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean when it happened. There was a sudden jolt and our submarine crashed on the seafloor. We were in total darkness. That's Dr. Dejana Figueroa, a marine biologist and STEM teacher, talking about a deep sea dive she'll never forget. It's funny, when I was a kid, I was afraid of the ocean. And there I was, two miles below the surface. But as a scientist, you prepare for that. Using our training and a little creativity, we fixed the sub and finished our experiments. The dive was just too important. Every dive gives us glimpses at things few people ever get to see. Blowing creatures, fiery undersea volcanoes. When we got back to the surface, I kissed the ground and called my mom, of course. But you know what? I wouldn't trade that dive for anything. Dr. Figueroa uses her passion for STEM to discover new things and make the world a better place. She can STEM, so can you. Check out She Can STEM for more stories and inspiration. A message from the Ad Council. Grassroots Baseball's mission is to promote and celebrate the amateur game around the globe. 
with a focus on growing interest and participation at the youngest level. The overarching goal of grassroots baseball is to work to give back by providing inspiration, instruction, and equipment to help ensure more children have the opportunity to learn, play, and enjoy the game. To learn more about grassroots baseball, you can visit www.grassrootsbaseball.org. Hello, and welcome back to Bostonian Rap. My name is Rachel Meiselman, and you, of course, listening to me on WBCA LP 102.9 FM Boston, Boston's community radio station. So I've been talking, you know, I spent the first chunk of the show talking about the protesters, uh, you know, and there's, you know, a group, um, you know, the numbers vary, uh, some of the, the people vary, but there is a core group. And what I said is that I agree with the spirit of protest completely. Um, I certainly share the anger and the frustration of the members. But quite frankly, I have to point out the hypocrisy of some of them, like Catherine Vitelli. And there are some others, you know, this whole business, like I said, I started to talk about people getting arrested. That doesn't make you hardcore and not afraid to go there. How is this, I mean, concretely, how is this affecting Michelle Wu in terms of her fundraising? I'm going to tell you that it's not. I'm fairly confident that Michelle Wu continues to raise money. And I think that if people are serious about really changing how things are in Boston at present, they need to know that there's not going to be any easy fix. That we've been going down the path that we're on for quite some time. There are whole industries that have grown up around this whole concept of wokeness. You have people now in our schools. Don't get me wrong. There are some wonderful people, both uh, teachers and administrators in the Boston public schools. But quite frankly, you also have people in the schools, and I don't think they should be teaching there. They're imparting ideology that I think is not appropriate, and that's the best possible spin I can on it in certain instances. Um, In other instances, I think that it's actually hateful. I mean, we have this this push to blur the lines between the two biological sexes. And I have to say that, you know, I I pride myself on being open-minded, but I'm also a woman of reason. And I'm, I would say that I'm pragmatic, ruthlessly so. And I do believe in science. And, and I find it rather odd <clears throat> that the people that have been bellowing about science and how one must believe in it are the same people who are trying to blur the lines between the two sexes. I mean, I think that's incredible. And, you know, I I can, you know, a a quick point on that because I don't want to talk about that too much. Um, I certainly want to talk about it in other shows. But what I'll say right here and now is that I do think that societal expectations of one based on his or her sex can be stifling. There have been certain points in history. Even now, depending on where you are, it can be even debilitating. And it can be hard just in general to live up to expectations that society has set for you. And what is society? It's, it's all of us, right? So the idea that people, many of whom you don't even know, 
have decided what you should be and what you should say and how you should behave, what you should be interested in, how you should speak, how you should dress. I get all that. I get that it's difficult. I get that it can be onerous and all the other things that I said. But we do have two sexes, and we can challenge the perceptions that people have of the sexes in so far as, oh, well, if you're a woman, you can't <clears throat> be a doctor, you can't be a leader of a community, you can't, you know, we can challenge that. You know, a man, a man can't cry. We can challenge these ideas. But what's going on blurring the sexes that, you know, oh, I feel like a woman, I feel like a man. No, you're either a man or you're a woman. That's it. Now, I'm supportive of the transgender community. I've never said anything to the contrary. I've never done anything to the contrary uh, that would give the impression that I'm not. And I cannot imagine what it must feel like to not feel comfortable in one's own body because I have not had that experience. But I try to act with compassion, just like I hope others act with compassion toward me. And if someone is of a certain age, old enough, and I'm not talking about a child, I'm talking about an adult, and a person has talked with a number of medical professionals and believes that transitioning completely would be what would be beneficial for him or her, that that would allow him or her to fulfill his or her potential and lead a happy life. I support that. But this idea that, well, I'm a woman, but I'm a man. Today I'm a man, tomorrow I might be a woman. No, they're two biological sexes. So <clears throat> that's what I'll say on that. And I think trying to introduce this false debate, you know, in, 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 in settings where you have young, young children, elementary school age, excuse me, I think, I think that's very wrong. I think that's very wrong indeed. And so, again, you know, there, there are all kinds of things that are going on um, in the schools. And that's going to affect our children. And when our children are adults, some of them will consequently think a certain way or might be inclined to think a certain way. So what is my point in saying all that and bringing all this up? There's not an easy fix We can't just say we're going to protest Michelle Wu for eight months, ten months, for two years, three years, four years. We have to be prepared to do more than that. I mean, people could start by getting out to vote. I wonder how many of these people that are protesting Michelle Wu, how many of these people vote regularly? And again, I have to say it, I don't care if, it, you know, people don't like it, but how many of these people who are protesting, how many of these people are actually eligible to vote in Boston? So, there are no easy fixes. And it's going to take work. It requires good people to run. And quite frankly, I've met a lot of good people who no longer want to run, who've excused themselves from politics. 
because they're so disgusted by everything that they've seen on the left and right. And they're also disappointed in that people will complain, but then when it comes time to do something that will actually move the needle, they don't want to do it. So people say, well, why am I going to sacrifice the quality of my life for everyone else when there's a considerable slice that may or may not feel the need to fight alongside with me. So my point is, is that we all need to start voting. There are really no excuses. When you consistently have 20-some percent, 30-some percent of the people coming out to vote, I have to ask, what right do some people have to be upset and angry at the politicians that we have? And I'll add a part two to that, because if we're going to vote, we need to be informed. That's so important. And so whether we're talking on city level or state level, or statewide, or you know, federal, congressional, <clears throat> or president. But I mean, for purposes of Massachusetts, we, we need to start voting. We need to start being more discriminating um, when we ask questions. We need to ask people what they're going to do. We need to engage with people not to be antagonistic, not to try to trip them up, but to really get them to say, okay, what are you going to do? You know, you have uh, people like uh, Boston City Councilor Erin Murphy, and I've seen more than one piece written by her, or I've listened to her say, I will stand up for you. Okay, how are you going to do that? You know, and then people are like, oh, wow, that's so great. You know, I mean, not everybody, but, you know, you'll, you'll have some people say, oh, that's, that's great, whether it's Erin Murphy or another politician who does something similar. And it's like, okay, you're going to stand up for me. How are you going to do that? And if you tell me you're going to stand up for me, not only do I want to know how you're going to do that, but I'm going to expect you to do that. Because just because you tell me you're going to do that, just because you write it on a website or write it in your article, doesn't mean you're going to do it. But I think you have an obligation to at least, even if you don't agree with me, and I'm not obviously just talking about Aaron Murphy, I'm talking about all the city councils, I'm talking about all the state reps, state senators, <clears throat> Anyone who has holds public office. All these people have an obligation, even if they don't agree with what they're hearing, they have an obligation to at least listen. That's 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 part of being a public servant. I'm gonna go to one more break, the last break of tonight's show. When we come back, we're gonna wrap up. For those just tuning in, again, my name is Rachel Meiselman. You're listening to Bostonian Rap. I'm WBCALP 102.9 FM Boston. This is Boston's community radio station. Are you wondering if your relationship is safe or if you have gone too far? Is your partner ever afraid of you? Are you worried a friend is hurting their partner but don't know what to do? The 10 to 10 helpline can help. We are here every day, 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. We are confidential and anonymous and offer help to adults and teens across Massachusetts. Reach us at 877-898-3411 or you can visit us on Instagram or Facebook at helpline1010.org. Papa, why can't we telegraph while riding a horse? Son, there ain't no one to blame but Jeffro. He was riding old Betsy the Stallion, tip-tapping away at his telegraph, when blam. 
ran right into the side of the saloon. Well, if Jeffro can't do it, neither should you. Don't text and drive. Visit StopTextStopRex.org. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. Are you a veteran, or do you know a veteran who is struggling with housing due to COVID-19? Veterans, Inc. can help provide support services, including assistance with rent, deposits, utilities, as well as emergency housing, including hotel stays to eligible struggling veterans. If you or someone you know is in need of services, please call 1-800-482-2565 or go online to www.veteransinc.org. Hello, and welcome back to Bostonian Rap. My name is Rachel Meiselman. If you've been listening all along, thank you so much. But if you're just tuning in, um, I'm equally grateful. You are listening to me on WBCA LP 102.9 FM Boston. So I've been talking about the right. And I have to also add that in addition to what really amounts to basically a series of performance pieces, because that, that's the thing, you know, you have these actors on the right who claim that they're standing up for what's right. But some of them, not all, it's, it's, it's about just making a name, you know, getting, you know, their names out there. And I resent that because I think that we're at a point where things are so serious you know, methadone is going is is going to explode, and and I promise you, it's going to be just as bad as it ever has been. Boston Public Schools, the oldest school district in the nation, is on the brink of receivership, which should be a source of shame for anyone who cares about the education of our children. You don't have to have children in BPS. You don't even have to have a child to feel for the children in the BPS and and just feel tremendously sorry for them and their families and also feel a source of shame and anger because this isn't what our school district should be. The oldest school district in the nation? Really? In a city that runs on an education-based economy, as I said earlier. Affordable housing. I like to talk about accessible housing, but we don't see too much of that. Every every little bit of plot of land is being built upon. It's really, quite frankly, terrible. We have no such thing as purposeful construction. And I've used that phrase before. Um, And what that essentially means is you're building with the needs and the concerns or you're building to the needs of a community, a particular community. Uh, You're building with the concerns of the community in mind. And you do have to take aesthetics into account. But no, mm -mm, we're just just throwing up all these condos, uh, you know, all this luxury housing. Who's going to live there? You know, like I'm thinking of a place like East Boston where they're throwing up all these buildings and there doesn't seem to be much thought to the traffic that is is going to be exacerbated by the presence of, of these, new, these new buildings, you know, all these units. It's just in so many different respects— in so many different areas, our city is in trouble. And I feel there is no more time left to wake up. And that there are people who think that, who have been asleep all along, who suddenly want to direct how everyone is supposed to feel, speak an, act, you know, an overall act. I just, I don't have time for it. I don't. And, and I have to say that as someone who's conservative, it's, it's almost like 
well, some of it actually, obviously, I'm frustrated and, and angered, but I'm also to a certain extent saddened because I know that there are even people on the political left who are distressed by what they see. And so, really, I see this, hope <laughs> springs eternal, I see this as a period where the right could pick up adherence. At the very least, some alliances could be formed that could be long-lasting. But they're not going to be formed by people who don't know all the issues, who, again, I don't see, if you don't have any plans beyond, I want Michelle to lift the mandates, or you don't have any ideas beyond you want the mandates lifted and getting arrested, if, the, the, if those are your two ways of fighting and striking back, I, I don't really know what to say. But I'm going to talk more about this new right, or should I say um, this new group of opportunists who adhere to the right. But that's all I have time for. Um, thank you so much for listening. And as always, take care of yourself, and I look forward to hanging out with you next week. The preceding commentary does not reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or the Boston Neighborhood Network. If you would like to express another opinion, you can address your comments to the Boston Neighborhood Network at 3025 Washington Street, Boston, Mass., 02119, attention WBCALP 102.9 FM. If you would like to arrange a time for your own commentary, call WBCA at 617-708-3241 or email us at radio at bnntv.org.